Alright, so we're still talking about faith, and my intention is to finish faith tonight. Then after faith comes repentance, and I don't know if I'm going to do repentance again, because Nathan just did that for six weeks, and I know, you know, you can't hear stuff like that enough. But uh, I'll decide next week whether we just kind of touch on repentance or we go straight into conversion. And then after conversion, uh, we, I think we move into uh, discipleship and then sanctification. So certainly it's enough to carry us through several more weeks as we work through this. But faith has been probably the one word that we're not going to cover anywhere satisfactorily, at least to me, uh, because it is so broad. Uh, when we're, we're going to move into the New Testament today, and if you, like one verb form, there's over 200 times it's used in Scripture. We can't do that. In the noun form, there's over 200 times the noun form is used in Scripture. And so, and that, we're just talking about one word. We're not talking about the fact that there are multiple words. And then when you consider that faith is often not alone, it's often coupled with obedience, faith is often coupled with repentance, faith is coupled with hope. In other words, we could easily spend two years just understanding faith. And so we're not even going to scratch the surface at all. Um, but here's what I do want you to do, is I do want you to pay attention to the word when you see it in the text. When you're doing your quiet time, or you're reading through the text and you come across the word faith or the word believes, and that's narrowing it down because it's also translated trust, persuaded, you know, all kinds of words. But let's just work with the word faith and the word believes or belief. And anytime you see that, stay there long enough to figure out what is around it and what you got to consider with it. And I'll, I'll show you some things about what I'm talking about. I'm about to make this bigger. But just in way of review, in the Old Testament, we just talked about two words. One word was amen, and out there to the far right on the top was a particular verb form of that word where we get Genesis 15, 6. And it is the most significant reference in the Old Testament with the idea of faith. And it's when God told Abraham he was going to have a son, and Abraham believed, and that word believed is the word faith. Abraham, from a verb, exercised faith in the person and in the promise of God, okay? So you gotta, you know, you gotta start where the Bible starts and that's where you start. Uh, batak is the other Hebrew word. And I told you this one is often used in a negative to teach you what faith is not. And so when you're paying attention to scripture, again, you run across this word believer faith, look for the negatives because oftentimes scripture teaches us the positive by teaching us what it is not. For instance, faith, if you trust in wealth or any kind of physical possession, you are not exercising faith in God. And once that wells up in your heart and you gain that understanding, you immediately need to repent, okay? Um, and there were several knots. You trust in strong people, powerful people, high walls. There were all kinds of knots. But I do want to move into... And we'll have to get my glasses on. I do want to move into the New Testament and start looking at New Testament words. And again, this word pastuo is the most significant word that you're going to find about faith in the New Testament. This is in its verb form, its present tense, active voice, and it's usually translated right here to believe or to trust. 
Now, I told you there's over 200 times this one verb is used in the New Testament. I think it's like 208. 99 times John uses it in his gospel. 99 times. Faith is always a verb. It's not a person, place, or thing, noun. It's something, it's an action on the person expressing faith part. Interestingly enough, John never uses this word in a noun. So here's you a good conversation starter when you run into John in glory. Say, hey, John, the noun form. Why do you never use it? Because it's really interesting that he would, I mean, he can barely finish a sentence without using the word faith, but he does it in the verb form every time. In other words, I have faith. That's not a verb. That's a noun. But John never expresses it that way. Okay? He always expresses it in a verb way because he sees it as an action. All right? So let me give you just a few, few examples of these. And again, I'm not, there were 200 and something. I believe it was 208, but, you know, we're not going to do all that. Matthew 9, 28, when he entered the house, the blind man came up to him, and Jesus said to them, do you believe, pistuo, that I am able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Now, what sort of faith are they exercising in Jesus in this context? They believed Jesus could do what? Physical healing. Give them sight. That was their faith being exercised. So they literally walked up to Jesus and said, hey, I want to see. And Jesus is like, do you believe I can do this? They're like, absolutely. Or I wouldn't have asked. Right? And so Jesus heals them. So if you're going to think about, consider that passage, belief is faith in the person of Jesus. It's, it's a little bit more than just physical healing because you and I don't run around going, well, if you had faith, you wouldn't be sick right now. No, that's not the gospel. But we do have faith in believing who Jesus is as God, right? That he can do anything. Mark 1.15, here's another example. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in, specifically, the gospel. So what is faith here in this context? Trusting in what? His word. His word, specifically. Y'all are always second tier. Simply. <laughs> Rob just did it. What is faith in this, in this passage? Believing in the what? Y'all are thinking too hard. The gospel message. I trust in what God says is necessary for my salvation and what he's accomplished. But there's also a word that's mixed with faith here that you got to contend with. And what is that? Nathan? Repent. <laughs> repent. Yeah, I mean, you can't divorce faith and repentance. You can't. Because he just linked the two together inseparably as necessary for being saved. So repent and believe in the gospel. So in other words, can you have faith and at the same time trust in yourself? No. Because repentance is turning away from yourself, turning away from your sin and putting your trust in the Lord. That's really hard to do. I mean, you could take that one verse and do a, a devotional and just wreck everybody's life because how many times do we truly 
not trust in ourselves and our wisdom and trust in the Lord alone. Right? Those are few and far between. But anyway, you, you catch my drift here. There's so much work to do in this word. It is so broad to try to understand all of it. Luke 1.20, Behold, you shall be silent, unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. So anybody want to take a stab at this context and what's going on? I give you a hint. If you need anyone. Zachariah. Where is he? He's at the temple. Yep. Yep. And who said this? An angel. Because he did not believe he was going to have a son. So in other words, okay, we're, we're not talking about salvation here, but yet you get to see what faith is because the angel communicated something to him from the Lord and he didn't believe it. And the angel said, well, there's no faith, bud. You're not accepting the word of God as true. And so we see faith is the opposite or, or having faith is accepting God's word as true and not having faith is going, I just don't believe that. I just don't believe that's true. Luke 24, he said to them, O foolish man, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Now, very simply, what is Jesus talking about when he says this? You're not having faith in the what? Old Testament scriptures. It's more specific than I want. <laughs> huh? Somebody else? Ah, come on, y'all are y'all are too smart for me. Basically, for us, it's the scriptures. Jesus said, "You, you're just refusing to believe the scriptures, right? Specifically, the Old Testament prophets. You're just not accepting what Isaiah and Jeremiah said. What's wrong with you people?" Right. So that's faith there. I think I almost have to give Zechariah uh, half a minute. I know, right? <laughs> Okay, I'm good with that, but if, you, if I feel like I've had some angel come to me and say, I'm just going to be a little bit, uh, was that really, was I asleep or what was going on? Right, right. That was a tough scenario, but he did get judged harshly because it was super significant, couldn't speak for nine months. So, of course, I'm sure his wife was happy about that. <laughs> All right, here goes John. I mean... It just rolls off his tongue. John chapter 3, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's why John can get 99 references in because he's just, he's just rolling off of his tongue. But spe specifically here, this is saving faith. That is the context, and it's believing in who Jesus Christ is as the Son of God which, by the way, excludes a whole lot of people. You just lost Mormonism there. Uh, you just lost the Jehovah's Witness there. It's believing in Jesus to be the Son of God. Okay? Very specific salvation 
you really got to understand this word in the Gospel of John. Uh, Acts, here's you a few passages. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. Acts 8, but when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, men and women alike. Acts 11, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Now, i got some questions here. In Acts 8, what did they believe? Philip was preaching. You you do realize, did you say something, Cody? I said the, the, gospel, the, the gospel, the good news about kingdom of God. And, right, this is our context. In other words, you know, we have to be careful here when we impress upon people the necessity of response. Because he preached a message as true, the people literally accepted the message as true and were saved. They heard it and they said, now that's truth. And they believed upon that message and were saved, right? That's the measure. I know we like to make other things the measure like a prayer or baptism or speaking in tongues in certain denominations and so on and so on, but it's dependent upon faith. I heard the message and I accepted the message is true. That's saving faith in the Bible. Okay? Here, belief is coupled with something else. And I won't ask Nathan, but what is it? <coughs> repentance. Yes, that's repentance. They turned away from the sin in themselves and they turned to the Lord. Because you're exercising faith before you come to Christ. It's just not faith in Christ. We exercise faith every day. And 99% and of the time, it's faith in you, the person in the mirror. You trust in your abilities and your wisdom. But in order to be saved, we turn away from that and we trust in the Lord. You can't do both, right? Uh... Couple more. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Romans four. But to the one who does not work, but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. We just walked through that on Sunday morning. Uh, Galatians three. But the Scripture has shut up everyone under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. And so those who believe are those who have faith in Jesus. And they're the ones who receive the promise of eternal life. And then we move to the noun, the noun form. But you can see, and, and by the way, there were 200 references in the noun form as well. And we'll talk about some of those. But faith is active, right? It's active. It's an active expression on our part to trust God. And we all know trust it goes deeper than the mouth or it doesn't exist. You can't say you trust and don't act upon that trust because if you don't act, you don't trust. And the chair is always the reference that I give in release time kids. 
If I trust that chair, I will sit in that chair. But if I look at that chair and determine that chair is not going to hold me up and I'm not going to embarrass myself, I'm not going to sit in the chair. You know, there has to be a time where I rest my backside in that chair. I don't trust it. No matter how many times you brag upon the chair, you like the chair, you try to sell the chair. Until you sit in that chair, don't tell me you trust that chair. But the day you sit in it, you, you've trusted it, right? And so that's how that verb comes across. It's active. You see it. And that's why you ask people if they're saved, it's unnerving when they go backwards to when they were 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Why, why do you feel the necessity to go backwards? Why don't you, you feel like you can express that faith to me in, in what you've done today? Because if you ask somebody if their child is living, you know, they're not going to pull out their billfold and get out a picture of when they were born. You're going, yeah, Billy! And he comes busting through the door and says, yeah, he's fine. Right? That's a present tense thing for you. Yeah, we had kids. You holler at them. Here they are. You, you don't get in your billfold and go, yeah, I got a picture right here. You're like, that's the day they're born. And that'd be kind of weird for you, wouldn't it? Because you look at that picture and you go, man, that's an old picture. Why, why are you showing me that old picture? And then you, you want to ask the question, well, is the child still living? I mean, what's wrong? And you wouldn't ask the question, but it'd be really weird for you if I showed you a 20-year-old picture of Audrey. But if I showed you a picture of her yesterday on my cell phone, that makes sense. You're okay with that. So when you, somebody asks you about your faith, be okay with answering the question, yeah. A matter of fact, today, I was talking with the Lord this morning. You know, faith is active. It's not that done deal thing that we think about. All right, noun, same root word, same triliteral root, pistis. It means belief or trust. I gave you just a couple examples of these, I think. Mark 2, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. I want to ask you the context there. But Jesus saw their faith, the fact that they trusted in him. Romans 1.8, Paul says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is being, present tense, proclaimed throughout the whole world. Paul writes that letter and he goes, Oh yeah, I've heard about y'all's faith. I know very well about your faith. Luke 18, he also told them this parable to some. Oh, this is a different word. I'm sorry, I just gave you one reference to that. But any, again, I think there was 200 and something. This is the word patho, which means to persuade, believe, or trust. Not as many references, but you do see it a number of times. He also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. So did these people have faith? No, it's communicated in a negative. Who did they trust in? themselves and their righteousness. Now, the overwhelming majority of people in hell will be trusting in their own righteousness because they think they were good people. I mean, the overwhelming majority. It'd be, it'd be hard for you to meet somebody in hell that wasn't trusting in their own goodness, thinking they were going to get to heaven. But that's why faith is in Christ alone. So, this is why faith is so difficult, okay? 
Because if, if I ask you for a definition of faith, and we, we talked about this last week, I'll tell you what, turn to Hebrews 11. Turn to Hebrews 11. So, a lot of people will do this when they want to define faith. And this is one of the Bible's definitions of faith. Verse 1, now faith is, here you go, right? It is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And they go, there's your definition of faith. Well, if you know the context of Hebrews, these people are being persecuted heavily for their faith. They're losing their property, they're losing their lives, they're losing their jobs. And so in the context of that, this is very clear as to how faith would be expressed because all of a sudden your faith is on the horizon at the return of Christ. You've forgotten about this life and you set your heart on the life to come because this life stinks. In fact, some great worship songs have been written by slaves, black slaves, who were looking forward to the day when Christ returned because their lives were so miserable. They had no hope in this life, and the only hope that they had was in the next life. And they wound up writing some really good songs because they were looking forward to Jesus. So in that context, that's a tremendous display of faith. But you bring it into the simple preaching of the gospel in the book of Acts, and they believed in the message and were saved, all of a sudden this becomes a little bit more of a difficult definition to put in that. Does that make sense? Or if we're, rela if we're uh, relating repentance and faith or obedience and faith, that's a little bit more of a difficult definition to bring into. In other words, this is giving you one perspective of what faith truly is, but it's so much more. So what's a simple definition of faith? Well, that's a difficult thing because faith is so multifaceted, it's hard to grasp. And you've got literally hundreds of verses to consider to get a good, clear picture of what faith is. Now, without question, and this passage offends some people, but, I mean, it says what it is. Faith is a gift from God, right? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourself. It is a gift from God. And you ask the question, okay, what is the gift? Well, salvation's a gift. Through faith is a gift. Grace is a gift. Every bit of this is a gift. And so saving faith is literally a part of the gift of God. It comes from God. But if, if that's all your definition is, you don't have a clear definition of faith because in John's gospel, faith must be exercised by you. In other words, it's given to you and you're accountable to use it. Does everyone have faith? No. No, they do not. Bible says that as well. Not all have faith. So it's a gift of God and yet you're responsible for it at the same time. This one's difficult. It's very difficult. There's a lot of pins on the board. Again, when you want to try to understand this. It's always, like I said when I started, it's linked with obedience. If you say you trust Jesus 
and disregard his word, don't say you trust Jesus because the Bible ties faith and obedience together. It doesn't work. Faith is linked to repentance. If you say you love Jesus, yet you're actively walking in sin with no desire for repentance, don't say you trust Jesus. The Bible won't allow you to do that. You got these linking words. Faith is always opposed to anything that's self. Listen to this passage in Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not a mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. That passage never mentions the word faith, yet it describes faith very well. You're not trusting in this or this or this. This is what you're trusting in, the fact that you know God. That's a very good definition of faith. So you've got to consider passages that don't even use the word. Okay? Uh, faith is the negation of self-confidence. Faith says no to pride and human achievement. It involves throwing oneself unreservedly on the mercies of God. The mission of Jesus was based on the conviction that what God expected of people was impossible through human effort, but became viable proposition when faith linked them to God's way of doing things. In other words, it's impossible to have faith apart from the grace of God yet you're required to have faith. This is what, and this is my last slide. So I loved Warren Wiersbe. He passed away during COVID years. Um, but you can obviously see in my mind what faith is most significantly bound to, but I, I don't think that's correct. This is just a picture. But anytime somebody asks me, well, how do you define faith? I always go back to what Warren Wiersbe, I heard him teach. He died in his 90s. He taught Sunday school on the radio for like 50-something years. The guy was so good. But he said faith is, is obeying God in spite of, and you think about these three things, because I always think about them when I say them, the circumstances around you, the consequences before you, or the feelings within you. That's faith. He always used to say that. And that's an excellent definition of faith. But again, that's obedience in faith when they're coupled together. One more thought and then we'll, we'll start praying. You know, where our faith falters often, and I'm seeing this in my own life right now and other people I'm having conversations with, when we get something wrong, like right in front of us, whether it's health or a financial struggle, a wayward child, any number of things that'll just, it'll cost you some sleep, okay? We fail to exercise faith in those situations because we set our eyes on our circumstances and we can't seem to look up and get our eyes on Jesus and look forward to the return of Christ and look forward to the kingdom of God. 
And those are very critical moments that we really need to learn to exercise, have that active faith and go, you know what, I got to get my eyes out of this mess that's in front of me and pray and trust God and get my eyes up on the kingdom of God and out of this, you know, because we get it down here and we become so ineffective and unproductive for the glory of God because we're refusing to exercise faith. And that probably touches a number of y'all in the room. I know it touches me in the room because those are the times that my faith begins to, ah, you know. You'll believe me more when these kids of yours get older. Amen. <laughs> 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 Woo. Questions?